0: Welcome to the Happiness Habits Podcast. My name is Adil, And I'm Libby. And we've started Adbra Happiness Habits to help with our own mental health.
1: In each episode, we'll be speaking to an inspiring guest about a particular way we can grow our resilience to life's ups and downs. Each episode is full of simple and actionable tips, and we hope you'll find them helpful. Happy listening!
0: Welcome to episode number one of the Happiness Habits podcast. Today, I'm chatting with Claire Easton about social anxiety. Uh, Claire is an author, award-winning mental health blogger, and she's regarded as one of the biggest mental health bloggers in the UK. She's really, really funny, and I think you'll uh, really enjoy listening to my conversation with her. In this episode, We talk about the difference between being anxious about social situations and having social anxiety. We also talk about some of the things we can do uh, to take care of our mental health as the UK reopens and as we're starting to interact uh, more and more with each other. Uh, If you're listening with young children, please note that there are one or two uses of the F word uh, during this episode, mainly because uh, the title of her new book um, has that word. Uh, But yeah, I will actually say it later on. Uh, So yeah, I really hope you enjoyed this uh, episode. And uh, without further ado, let's crack on. Claire, thank you so much for agreeing to chat with me today.
1: Pleasure. Thanks for having me. Uh,
0: So some people will be familiar with your blog. Uh, We're all mad here and the book uh, with the same title but for anyone who isn't do you think you could tell us a little bit about i guess your journey and what has led you to uh, where you are now
1: sure so i'm an author and blogger and ambassador for a charity mq my journey started in 2012 when i had a nervous breakdown at work i was 24 i think yeah 24. And I'd been living with undiagnosed social anxiety for the better part of the decade by that point, which I kind of suppressed and ignored because I didn't know what it was. And on this particular day, I went into a meeting at work and had what I now know was a panic attack. And it was so overwhelming and violent that I stood up and I not only left the meeting room, I actually left the office and ran all the way down the street. And then I was kind of diagnosed and had to take some time off work. But I suppose my journey with writing, et cetera, was in the early stages of recovery because I was really frustrated about the kind of information that was available on both anxiety and panic. Mm -hmm. You know, not only was it absolutely littered with medical jargon that I didn't understand, but a lot of it was very bleak, you know, and not sort of proactive. So Mm -hmm. I just started writing about it one day on my blog. I just thought, right, I'm gonna try and decode some of this, I'm gonna try and write down stuff that's helped me. And things kind of progressed from oh you know from that really.
0: Hmm. And so when you're saying um um that you know you have sort of you had this this nervous breakdown in 2012 and uh, you know you sort of you described the situation at work where you had to uh, you know, physically take yourself out of this uh, situation. Is it something uh, that, you know, perhaps for other people listening, is it something that, uh, you know, you perhaps have seen some signs of that before and it's just perhaps um, like the the drop that, I'm not sure what the expression is, but the, the sort of uh, straw that broke the camel's back, perhaps that specific meeting, or, or was it something that kind of really um, escalated from that point onwards?
1: I think, you know, it's like I say, it's, I've been dealing with anxiety for 10 years without really knowing mm. what it was. And I just became an expert at suppressing symptoms. You know, I kind of, uh, I developed a tremor in my hands, for example. I ignored it. Mm. I wasn't sleeping very well when I ignored it. I didn't eat. I, a perfectionist by nature but i kind of took it to new levels before this meeting because it was actually an interview so the preparation that i did a normal person would just think i'll do a couple of hours the day before and it's just a conversation Mm -hmm. i wrote wrote down 30 questions i think it was all potential any question i thought they could ask me and not only rehearsed the answer but I rehearsed like alternative answers as well just in case Mm. in parrot fashion and that was after years I think of abuse that was the day when my brain had finally had enough.
0: Mm. It it sounds like a massive I guess pressure to be putting on yourself and uh, yeah it's just kind of a a big weight to to be carrying around. Uh, I guess we often you know one of the things I've heard in the past many times is that our biggest fear in life is not uh dying apparently but it's public speaking and i'm sure it really depends on how you ask this question if, if, you, if you get that specific <laughs> answer
1: you would die would on uh, stage is
0: that <laughs> <laughs> uh but yeah people seem to like this sort of talking to other people and, and public speaking seems to definitely be you know up there um and I- i'm wondering if you know because it's something that we all to some extent experience I'm wondering if uh, perhaps it can lead us and and perhaps this is the royal us the royal we to be a bit dismissive about the fact that social anxiety is a real uh, thing a really recognized disorder that can be you know extremely debilitating and even even I guess from my experience when I've there's there have been times where I've felt, uh, perhaps because of the pressures or expectations around me, that it's just something that I should, you know, when I have these feelings, that it's something that I should power through. Uh, and there's no need to be anxious because everyone else gets, you know, stressed about this stuff. And, uh, and I'm just wondering if, if you could talk a little bit about specifically social anxiety, you know, how different is it from someone just feeling anxious when they're in social situations? And is that even helpful? Uh, way of of sort of splitting people into two uh, groups
1: sure absolutely I mean social anxiety the most simple way I can put it is it's an overwhelming fear of being judged negatively by others to the extent that you obsess and worry to levels that are off the charts it's not a case of she's just a bit shy and she'll be okay in a few minutes it's Mm at my height, I would be having a conversation with somebody and I'd already pre-planned questions that I was going to ask them to keep the conversation going. And while they were answering, I wasn't listening to what they were saying. I was literally scanning their body, looking for signs that they didn't like me or they thought I was strange, etc. Mm-hmm. Holding my body in certain ways, it's tense. And then afterwards, I would almost re-watch those conversations in my head and analyze like, well, what could I have done better? To the point where it is obsessive, and that did not seem unusual to me. I didn't realize that that wasn't normal, and it's absolutely exhausting. After a while, you don't kind of you're not present in your own life; you just endure it, and that's the the weight of social anxiety.
0: Hmm. And so, for someone um, for someone listening, if they they kind of see themselves in some of the stuff you're saying Uh, and you know even when you're some of the exact examples that you've given you know I I could definitely see myself in them you know what 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 should what do you think is a a good way forward perhaps I don't know if advice is is the right word but perhaps you know if if I'm listening to this and I'm thinking well that kind of sounds like me is there you know you clearly struggled a little bit to find the right kind of uh you know information or support and this is why i guess from what you were saying uh you you started writing about it uh what would you recommend other people who would like to learn more about this stuff to uh, to to do in that case
1: well i'll go with the obvious answer first it's obviously go <laughs> and see your doctor but personally i think education mm-hmm. educate yourself on the condition is the best way to kind of start your recovery and it, there's so much more available now than there was when I started out. I mean, obviously, I wrote a book on social anxiety, which is called We're All Mad Here. I have a blog of the same name. And another really good book is called How to Survive the End of the World by Aaron Gillies. and um, mm-hmm. he He writes in a really relatable way with a lot of examples. And with any condition, I really believe that if you understand it, you can recognize it. And you will find ways of dealing with it rather than being stuck in this endless free-falling cycle of confusion like knowledge is power which sounds really cheesy but i believe that
0: no that makes sense and maybe i don't know if you'll agree but maybe it feels like it can put a little bit of perhaps space between you know us and and the thoughts and and of course the idea is not to completely separate ourselves from our thoughts because you know our thoughts are also what we who we are what we are but at least to kind of be able to notice when these things happen uh so maybe that that's Absolutely. quite
1: helps i i'm a big fan of space between my thoughts now and again i think <laughs> it's healthy when you get stuck on a track and that's why humor is so important i love i love taking the piss sometimes out of myself or my own thoughts because it just puts a little bit of the space between you and it helps you kind of rationalize a little bit oh
0: so do you find obviously that is something that um, you know um, can help in in situations with others sometimes so you know um, being playful or making a joke or something like this can obviously Mm -hmm. be a really useful tool and just as useful in some cases as you know being really smart or perhaps being you know i guess in some situations one might think that becoming aggressive even though you know it's probably not the right way forward but can sometimes get you out of situations similarly mm. becoming really playful and, and being able to to joke about something and de-escalate the situation so so i kind of definitely see that when we interact with others but are you saying you can also to some extent do that with yourself uh and is that helpful
1: yes absolutely mm. yes it's uh if my in a monologue is being being irrational it's, it's before I do public speaking, or before I go to an event, if it's saying, you know, mm. you're going to make a fool of yourself, you're going to do this, I'm, I'll just go with it, and I'll say, probably yeah, you're probably going to fall on your face, you will be sweating everywhere, there'll be steam coming out your ears, you're probably going to run around the room screaming with your top off. I don't know. You just if you make mm. it as ridiculous as possible, it it kind of gives you a little bit of that relief because you, you actually mm-hmm. realize how ridiculous it is.
0: Hmm. I've I've never actually thought about this, but this is a brilliant brilliant thought. Thank you for for sharing this. <laughs> try um, it. I mean,
1: you don't don't do it out loud, but yeah, try it. It's uh, it's fun. No,
0: that's 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 a great idea because it's it's the whole thing that we kind of get a bit too. I mean, I don't want to say we. I get sometimes a bit too serious about myself, but it's 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 perhaps a, a really nice thing to try. Um, I, I've been um. know you mentioned uh, a charity mq at the beginning and and maybe we we could chat about this in a second but you know i've also been really lucky Uh, i've been uh, working with a charity for a few years now a helpline for people with obsessive compulsive disorder and one of the things that we've noticed uh, over the last i guess year and a half is that uh, covid has definitely has had an extremely negative impact on, on a lot of people and some people's um you know specific i'm talking specifically for people with ocd but at the same time the the unexpected thing is that sometimes some people uh, where their ocd was focused on their interactions with others they're Mm -hmm. actually a little bit better now because they don't have to have this interaction or perhaps they have you know it's just not expected from them and i'm wondering if it's similar for people with social anxiety. And, and I guess now that the UK is reopening, uh like what are the challenges ahead for people? And and yeah, is there anything that people can try to to uh to, to man- yeah, how could people try to manage a little bit of that anxiety coming from the fact that you know everything's reopening and I'm kind of almost expected to start interacting with people again?
1: Well, first of all, I love that you said that because it's true, it's people with Social anxiety, well, the ones I interact with have said, you know, they, they've they got better because when you think about it, you know, the anxiety has got exactly what it wanted. It's been kept away from social situations. You know, you've been safely locked in your little cave for the better part of a year. So there is no triggers, no stresses, nothing, which on the one hand, I'll be honest, the first lockdown was quite a nice break. It was mm-hmm. nice to really let my brain heal, and you don't even have to think about this because it's it's not a possibility. So I was like fantastic, but I'm I'm very wary of avoidance long term because you know eventually you do have to re-engage with life because mm-hmm. that's healthy and happy. You know, makes you happy. So with lockdown easing. I mean, I've noticed it in myself, actually. I went I went out for a drink with my husband last weekend and forgot how to order a drink. That was a laugh. <laughs> I mean, I was like, oh, what? Uh, oh, look, she's just not done it. And I noticed I was kind of sparking and I could feel the symptoms. Oh, my God, she thinks how many did she's looking at me. But mm. I think it's important to remember that you kind of need to be patient. You know, if you think of it as if you were training for a marathon or a 10k which is more manageable you don't just go and start running do you you have to build it up mm. and it's the same thing with this like remember we've had a period of not doing anything so be patient and let's get back into it slowly don't expect to just be fine like that
0: mm. so, so maybe kind of breaking down uh, the, the sort of bigger social interaction i don't know if project is the right word but sort of uh you know activities into perhaps smaller bits and also i think you see
1: family first because you might even hmm? notice it triggered a bit then like i last time i went to see my grandma i was sat on the couch and i suddenly felt a bit on edge because Mm. this was foreign you know i hadn't been able to do this in so long and i thought oh okay this is a good way to kind of practice and expose myself a little bit to it before we build up to going back to an office
0: hmm. you've just used the word uh, exposed uh <laughs> my, expose myself and and i'm not sure you know so, so from a from previous conversations uh, i've been uh thinking about the, this the whole idea of of exposure therapy and i'm not sure whether that can play a role at all in in social anxiety and, and maybe that's a complete tangent but i just thought I would, uh no
1: you've actually touched on my favorite therapy of all time
0: right <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah i mean it's the, it's the one that ultimately enabled me to conquer panic attacks really it's exposure is because it, you are literally exposing yourself to situations that are triggering or make you uncomfortable very slowly and in very very small doses, so that you can feel the anxiety or the panic, sit with it rather than running or leaving the situation, and thereby communicating to the amygdala in the brain that everything is fine. You know, you, we don't need to feel threatened in a situation; it's fine, and that's how you kind of build that up, and it will stop. The panic from happening the more you do it
0: hmm. and so the one thing you mentioned in there was um you know kind of sitting with that anxiety when it happens and and so it sounds like you know we, we try to come up with a scenario where we will feel uh some of that anxiety but we're basically we're kind of exposing ourselves to some trigger and then our anxiety will go up when that happens uh, mm-hmm. and I guess the idea is to try to sit with it, but from having tried myself several times, <laughs> this is the thing, this is the bit where, where I kind of don't manage to get to the next step. And I'm wondering if, I know it's, okay. it's perhaps a difficult question or, or a, a poorly asked question, but like, this is genuinely my roadblock. It's, it's really difficult okay. to, to get through that.
1: Is it, I mean, I hear you 100%. There's fear is intolerable. As an emotion we can't we don't cope with it very well notoriously you know it's the, the reason we flinch when we watch horror films that kind of thing it's mm. it's unpleasant and it gets to a point where you think I can't handle this anymore and I have to go the way I've dealt with it and there have been two occasions over the years when I thought I'm gonna bolt I can't cope mm. is you kind of have to I sit and I internally I just talk to myself and I say you know what this is. It's horrible. It's distressing. You're really frightened. But you know what it is. And you know that as that as time passes, and sometimes I'll even look at a clock, it'll mm-hmm. this is going to end. Because everything does. You know, I mean, Christ of Game of Thrones ends, then panic attacks definitely will. It's <laughs> <laughs> everything does. And if you don't manage to do it one time, that's all right. Don't don't beat yourself up. Maybe we need to start again with something smaller, but you will do it. And it's about trying to, you know, breathing techniques are good too, but ultimately I just think it's just saying with that and being kind to yourself and saying, you you know, it's, it's going to pass. But I know it sounds, it's so easier said than done. It's like, I, I really do understand where you're coming from. So I'd say try and continue to be patient with yourself.
0: Thank you for, for saying this, I mean I really like your idea of you know your comments about the clock and I haven't really thought about this, you know I do remember from seeing it somewhere there's this graph which basically horizontal axis like the yeah horizontal axis is time and vertical axis is your. Um, your anxiety level and then the exposure, the idea of it is you basically you know your anxiety goes up and then it really slowly 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 sort of slopes down mm-hmm. and and. Um, and I'm kind of thinking that you know perhaps trying to actually focus or perhaps you know say, okay, well, I'm I'm going to give myself five minutes or 10 minutes just to at least experience some of that beginning mm-hmm. of that reduction could could be a starting point. So I think that's really, really helpful. Thank you. Good. Um I have um so yeah, I would like to if if that's okay, just chat a little bit about. Uh, the book uh, <laughs> so uh, we we're chatting before we uh, we started that uh, we'll probably have to swear a little bit here so I won't mm-hmm. have to swear just yet <laughs> so you first uh, have written um, a really successful book called We're All Mad Here which is also the title I guess of the blog uh, and then right now so we're recording this on the 5th of May and I think we were saying tomorrow is when your book, uh, Fuck, I Think I'm Dying, is uh, a very to people. <laughs> 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 I'm proud of myself. <laughs> um Could you, um I guess, could you talk a little bit about, I guess, the story behind the book, but also, you know, I kind of understand that titles, you know, they obviously need to attract people's attention, etc., but I, I almost feel like, you know, there, there's perhaps a parallel and, and you'll tell me if I'm making this up, but a parallel with what we're actually thinking and and sort of level of stress that have that's happening in our heads so is 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 that sort of one of the reasons why you decided to give it such a strong uh, title
1: i mean i didn't actually name it if you can believe that it was my editor okay. it's uh i was like are you sure like are <laughs> you gonna let me on with a title like that off but she's adamant and i trust her she says that is such a it's almost a violent reaction to mm. and it's authentic and that's what I thought and I think people don't say you know when they feel threatened like oh bother I think I'm in danger you know we do say
0: mm.
1: <laughs> so, <Yes>. very <laughs> aggressive words though yeah that's I mean the book itself is is you know fuck I think I'm dying how I learned to live with panic attacks is it's a kind of it's not a self-help book in the sense that I don't have a solution to sell because panic is something I learned to live with. What I try and communicate to people is that a panic attack, or you know, the fight or flight response being activated, despite being really distressing, is actually a sign that your, you know, your amygdala is working. That's not a problem. Like we need to have this surge of adrenaline because it helps us when we're in danger. For example, when you nearly trip on the stairs and you grab the banister and you don't even think about it, you just do it. That's your amygdala. We need it to help us to survive. The problem, however, is when there's a miscommunication and the fight or flight response is triggered in situations that aren't threatening, like, you know, the supermarket or a meeting at work. And that's when panic attacks can kind of get out of hand and start affecting your life. So the book is a collection of of stories really and some of them I hope are quite funny of what I've learned along the way and uh some of the things I've got myself out of over the years
0: <laughs> That sounds good and I think you know this this whole idea of uh you know you mentioned that some of the 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 dialogue the internal dialogue that we have is not always uh you know in a, in a really a controlled and and uh, factual voice. It, it can you know use uh, it, it can get quite aggressive or can use yes. words like fuck and shit and, and all that stuff. Uh, and, and I think you know even though you're saying it's not it wasn't necessarily your your decision. It's it really sounds like a a, a way to to perhaps you know cut through that that first layer of the onion if that makes sense and and <laughs> get people to experience that some a bit more sort of you know viscerally. Uh, I think. Um, you know, one of the the interesting thing you mentioned is that you know it's not a self help book, but I'm kind of linking that to what you said at the beginning, which is you know being educated about that mm-hmm. can also be part of you know getting better. So you know if if listening or reading about your experience can uh, you know help people perhaps normalize some of that stuff, uh, I'm sure it will really really be helpful as well.
1: Oh, thank you. Uh,
0: so could you just tell us uh, where um we can find uh, the book or or I guess perhaps a more general question if you have any sort of closing words or, or things that perhaps I didn't ask you about uh, and uh, <laughs> that's completely fine please do, do let me know and we can chat about that. And if not if you could perhaps tell us a bit about you know where people can find the book i guess there's two uh, and uh yeah uh, if there's if they'd like to sort of reach out uh if there's any specific place you'd like people to to reach out to you
1: sure so the books both of them are available on amazon like waterstones like online or in all good bookshops hopefully in terms of reaching out to me you can find me on instagram claire uk my blog is we're all mad here as well And the message I think I'd like to convey to everybody is you can, a mental illness doesn't have to derail your life. It isn't the end of your story. You know that this isn't as good as it gets. You, you know, via education and seeking help from others, things can absolutely can and will get better.
0: Thank you. Thank you for for being so kind and for having been uh yeah for agreeing to to chat to me today and thank you for these these really um comforting uh words as well uh because it definitely can feel like sometimes you know we're in a situation without uh without a way out so it's it's yeah it's just it's just a very comforting um thing to say uh, it was amazing to uh, hear about your own lived experience uh, so thank you for for being so so open it's it's really really kind of you to to have uh, you know uh, chatted to me about all of this and yeah i just wanted to finish by thanking you for everything that you're doing you're an absolute star um, and yeah thank you so much
1: absolute pleasure
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of the Happiness Habits podcast by Adbra. If you'd like to learn more about the topics we discussed today, simply go to adbra.co.uk and check our resources section for a lot of additional wellbeing tips and free tools. While you're at it, don't forget to check our gratitude planners, mindfulness jars and cards. They're all available on adbra.co.uk. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to leave us a review or even better, tell a friend that you think would benefit from it about it. See you next time on the Happiness Habits Podcast.